Legend has it there is a tree in the Amazon that possesses unparalleled healing powers. And the arrowhead is the key to unlocking it. Stop her! Hello. Uh, just wanted you to know this has been mislabeled. Shipping outlets? We're headed up river to Blagrimas de Cristal. We must secure our travel. Come on. It's Nilo. Frangos, my mommy. Not a good time. My brother and I are looking for passage up river. Please go away. I have a lot of money. If you believe in legends, you should believe in curses too. It's not a fun vacation. Well, I'm not here for a vacation. What, you're gonna beg me to turn back? Allow me to manage my own safety. Oh, God, sorry, Frank. Sorry, strong form. Oh. I got you. Oh. Hold on! I, don't, I, don't. I got it. Frank? I don't got it. No, 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 no. no. Can this stay? Just leave me alone. That was a disaster. It didn't go the way I planned. And I'm Cameron. And we're just two cousins who love watching movies. So we decided to make a podcast. Welcome to the What the Flick Podcast. Welcome to the What the Flick Podcast, where Cameron and I are going to talk about movies. We're cousins. We're... We're the best Ross cousins. Uh, Not really, but we are we are the coolest, I have to say. One and two. Yep. That's right. Top ranked. We won't tell. We won't tell Savannah and Catherine. It's a secret. But they're definitely the bottom two. (laughs) I'm just teasing. No, we love you guys. You're the best. And hopefully they can guest on the podcast at some point. They just don't love movies as much as we do, you know? It's fine. They don't. I mean, they, they like don't. movies. They don't have anything against them. But uh, but they're not nerds about it like we are, as you're going to find out. And right. we've been talking about doing a podcast for many moons now. And, you know, obviously with COVID and movies not being in theaters. And now all of a sudden we're getting a good spurt of movies coming back into theaters. And I was like, man, we just need to do it. There's never a good time to start a podcast. You just got to do it. And I I said, you know, let's start off with Jungle Cruise because I literally have been waiting for this movie to come out for like two years whenever they announced it. I don't even remember when that was, but they were they showed that like behind the scenes footage of The Rock and Emily Blunt on set. And I was like, I am going to love this movie. I am so excited for it. And then it was supposed to come out last July and obviously it got moved and they moved it a whole year. And I remember thinking a whole year, year. like it's going to be forever. And now it's finally here and we both have seen it uh, some more than others. Yes, I have seen it three times, three whole times now. Yeah, just once. It's fine. It just came out on Thursday. Yeah. Um, 
But so we were really excited. We got a good string of movies coming out in theaters. And so the point of this podcast, we're not going to spoil anything. We're not going to like go through the plot or anything like that. We're just going to kind of talk about the elements of the movie that we really liked, obviously, without ruining anything for you guys if you haven't seen it yet. But uh, we just really like nerding out about movies. And so this was just a chance for us to do that. And so we're going to talk about a few of the, the elements of the movie that we love, some things that maybe we thought were, um, you know, hit or miss. Obviously. I'm obsessed with it. So more things hit for me than missed. So I'm excited about that. But uh, we're going to use a scoring system. We're going to use Cameron's scoring system. So I have a different scoring system on another podcast that I have. And um, but I have acquiesced to Cameron's uh, scoring system, mostly because I think it makes the most sense. But I'm 26 episodes into my other podcast and I can't switch now. So this is a fresh start for me. So we're going to use the zero to 100 point scoring system for this podcast, which you appropriately pointed out, gives us a little bit more nuance, gives us more little detailed things to talk about. So I am game for that. So with that being said, Cameron, what is your score for the Jungle Cruise? So my score for the Jungle Cruise landed at a 79 out of 100. Um, I really enjoyed it. Okay. It was, okay. It was very fun, and it was uh, pretty much what I was looking for, like, out of the movie. Um, and I think it knew what it wanted to be, and I think that always, like, helps a movie out um, when it kind of knows its goal, when it sets out. You know, it's not Jungle Cruise. Yeah, absolutely. Best picture than that, you know, trying to rack up a bunch of Oscars. Yeah. It's, it's a family adventure, yeah. like Disney movie, and it's fun and it's, you know, lighthearted and, and there's a lot of things to like about it. And I had a really good time with it. Like, I think it's just fun. Like, it's just a fun movie. Yeah. It's like, it's a popcorn movie. It's a, it's a summer exactly. blockbuster popcorn where you're just there to have a good time. Right. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's big movie, big screen. Let's have some laughs, yeah. you know. And yeah, so yeah, I let's just go on like, an adventure. Yeah, exactly. It's going on an adventure, but I wouldn't even like frame it as so much like what I took points off for. It's more just like what things it could have done a little better. Um, and it took me a while to like kind of think about it and figure out like what it was missing for me personally. And yeah, um, I finally kind of realized that I think most of my issue with it in terms of where it could have gone to like the next level um is like is the third act um i think like the first half of the movie is fantastic like it's really good it's really yeah. quick like it's well paced it, it you know it feels like it flies by and it's like witty and it's funny and like you get like a great mm-hmm. introduction to the characters and you get like a really good world building and like backstory for you know like what they're trying to do um and I think it just kind of like peters out a little bit. Like they're just, I didn't feel like there was that much, that punch that I was looking for um, at like the climax of the, the end of the movie um, where it yeah. was like a great flourish at the end. Um, not to say that like it ended poorly. It's just like, I liked the ending, but it didn't make me go like, wow, what an ending. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like it just, yeah. And I think the main reason for that is like the, the villain issue, like in this movie, there's just like too many like you know the yeah there's a lot going on and there's like a couple like side plots or like just different parts of the story where like you have like different villains presented i don't think like any of them got the shine that they needed to to be able to 
like pack that punch where like it's it's a more fulfilling moment like when you know they get beaten or whatever happens right Um, yeah it's like they had to like split the screen time between the two groups of villains so to speak yeah Yeah, right exactly and i mean there's even like you know the 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 milo milo nilo character who is like oh yeah nilo he's like he's he's kind of a villain he's just kind of like you know He's kind of just he's, like a I jerk. mean, he's he's Frank's villain to some. Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, I guess he has a few, a, like, but yeah, he's yeah, he's Frank's like small time kind of like annoyance. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> but you know, there's. I think they just they didn't commit to like one or the other for like the villain, and I think that kind of hurt a little bit in terms of like the impact it had at the end, um, where you felt like you really got that like big payoff, but also like it was it was a fulfilling ending because like you kind of, well, they do, they do. To. Yeah. And they do a good job of making it all come together. Like it doesn't feel yeah, yeah like it's there, a, is, yeah. there is too much going on, but it doesn't ever feel like, wait, what, why are they here? You know what I mean? Like it does, yeah. it all fits and yeah. they, they do all like bring it back together. But I do agree. Like they, it's not that, it's not necessarily that the plot is like bifurcated. It's just because the, I think I get what you're saying too, where like the screen time is split amongst the two subplots. So then you're right. not getting like a fully developed like character or story. Otherwise mm-hmm. the movie would have been like three hours long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a tough part, right? It's like, I just like, I like look yeah. back at it and I'm like, if they had just committed to Jesse Plemons or committed to like the other group, like, and given them yeah, screen time, like, maybe it would have been better. But like, also like that was just like part of the story and the decision they made. And like, it didn't necessarily like it didn't fall flat on its face or anything. It's just like that's where I think it, it could have improved. It's just by like kind of committing. Well, to, like, and one. it's it's kind it's kind of interesting because like I don't think this spoils anything, but like Emily Blunt's story and the Rock story start off separate, and mm-hmm. so each of these villains is their villain from their story and then they converge and they come together so then they're bringing both of their like baggage with them and they still do a good job of like bringing it all together but i do agree there's just a lot going on Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah no i totally i totally get that i think i gave it an 88 out of 100 i really 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 liked it the one thing for me that kind of i would say not docked like a bunch of points, but something, a lot of comparisons have been made to Pirates of the Caribbean, Indiana Jones, The Mummy, those kind of like adventure movies. And it is very much in the vein of, and I think they even, um, they talk about the African queen and romancing the stone. Have you seen either of those movies? No. Okay. So the African queen is Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. It's old. Uh, I have not seen it, but this movie made me want to watch it. And I actually, I had plans to watch it before I went to see the jungle cruise and I just got busy. I didn't have time to watch it. Yeah. I really wish I would have. Cause that's the one that, um, the rock has constantly referred to when talking about really? what this movie is like. So fun fact, I watched uh, romancing the stone which is michael douglas and kathleen turner it was in the 80s i watched it on new year's day this year <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason i watched it was because he they both had referred to it in interviews for the movie and it was okay. free to stream on amazon prime so i was like i think i'll watch it it's like 
I definitely think the Jungle Cruise is better, but it's it's kind of a I mean, it was still fun, but it's really campy. Like it's even campier than the Jungle oh, Cruise. Well, um, yeah. But so a lot like of people have compared it to yeah, compared to these movies. And so like a lot of the big obviously Pirates of the Caribbean is a obvious choice because it's literally situated right next to it in Disney World and Disneyland. Mm-hmm. They they're in they're both in Adventureland and both of these movies are based on rides. Um, I would say they do have a lot of similar comparisons, although I will say they're very different from each other. I think the movies are very different. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing that Pirates has that the Jungle Cruise just completely missed on was an iconic theme. Yeah. So score, score wise. So, uh, you know, you leave Pirates of the Caribbean, you go to the movie theater early 2000s. I was still in high school. You're leaving the theater. You're coming out and you're singing like you're humming it because you're like pirates and you're like, ah, and every time you hear it, it's like, it's so iconic, right? You know instantly what it is. And it felt like the same thing with Indiana Jones. You know, you got John Williams, you got Hans Zimmer, you got these really great uh, composers and James Newton Howard did the score for Jungle Cruise and it's still a really great score like you listen to the soundtrack it's so good like it's actually like it's beautiful like what he did was beautiful mm-hmm. it's a really really great score it's just not memorable yeah like you don't I didn't leave the theater thinking like oh when that Jungle Cruise card came across the front title and you really felt like you were on an adventure and you do but you just don't remember it and uh, for me that was like the big piece of what I thought they could have done better in this movie was I, I really think they could have come up with a more iconic score and not to be like, I mean, guys, you had a whole extra year. <laughs> really? You know, <laughs> like you couldn't have watched it and been like, maybe we should do something more memorable. And, but. Yeah. And I think like, you know, obviously it's, it's, you know, we're not being like, why didn't they just run the iconic score play? Like that right, would have right, been right. so easy. Like, you know, it's not, it's yeah. not as simple as like snapping not a button. Fingers, but yeah. I think there's definitely like, they could have gone for it a little bit more with that. And, you know, I told you this, like I, scores for movies, like it's one of those things for me that like every time I watch a movie, I like walk out of it. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to listen to the score. Like, and it's, yeah. it's like a thing that like, I don't actively <laughs> notice yeah. um, most of the time. But there's definitely some like, you know, obviously like Star Wars and like yeah. Oh, yeah. Jones, Pirates of the Caribbean were the ones like you have no choice but to notice it because yeah. it's just like it infiltrates your brain. Right, right, like, right. right. Like you're humming yeah. it on the way out of the theater. Yeah. Um, but as, as far as it goes for like ones that like don't just like come out and slap me in the face like, hey, this is a great score. I'm like always so bad about like bookmarking that in my brain. Um, but I think we can both agree that the highlight of the movie was the chemistry between The Rock and Emily Blunt. Absolutely. They were fantastic together. And it's like so good. And it's like such an odd pairing. Like I remember when they announced it, the casting, and I was like, <laughs> what? Is. Really? And not that, I mean, they're both great in their own and right. And I, I love The Rock and like everything, but it's like, it's such a weird pairing to put together but it works so well yeah what's funny to me is that like i I, once i thought about it more it's like it almost felt like when i was watching it that like oh yeah like these they've been in a movie together before you know what i'm saying like it just it felt so natural that you were like yes like it just felt like you'd seen it before because they were so natural with it and they were so good together yeah um yeah they were great i mean the comedy was awesome and like the heavier scenes, like they, I feel like they really had like just good chemistry, like good. And the dialogue, like, you know, like obviously there was like 
corny jokes, but that was like intentionally corny jokes. But like the dialogue was really good. Like I thought it was sharp. Um, it made me laugh. And like there was also like some really like kind of real stuff in there with like a an overarching like theme um, that I think was really yeah. good. Um, but yeah, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt is fantastic. Fantastic. Dude, she is great in every. She elevates every movie she is in. I. Am, I'm going to draw a line in the sand right now, right here on this podcast. And maybe some people will say this is the WTF moment of this podcast, but I am ready to make this statement to the world that I think Emily Blunt is the Meryl Streep of our generation. I genuinely believe that because when you look at Emily Blunt's filmography, like who else would you believe in Sicario? Mary Poppins, Devil Wears Prada, and Jungle Cruise. And she just like, and then there's like, I could list like six more movies that she's, A Quiet Quiet Place, Place. she's been in a horror movie. Like, yeah, like I'm like, she's done it all and she always understands the assignment. She gets it every time and she nails it. She nails Mm -hmm. it. And she's so good in this movie. Like she just, I honestly believe I just think Emily Blunt should do more comedies. Yes. Her comedic timing is like spot on. I think we had talked a little bit off a uh, microphone about how her British, you know, she had sometimes things are just more funny because she's yeah. British. So it's just yeah. funny because she's British. I think you use the word she's cheeky. She and is. Uh, yeah. And she, but she gets it. She gets the comedic timing. And like one of my favorite lines in the movie that I just laughed. I think I'm the only person in the theater that laughed. And I was like, maybe that wasn't supposed to be funny. I found it funny is when she's knocking on the door. This happens in like the first 15 minutes. So this is not a spoiler. Not she's spoiler. knocking on the door to Nilo's office. And the rock says, he's like, wow, you were really insistent. And she goes, it's been said like that. And it's just like, <laughs> like she, like she knows like she's yeah. like she's like yeah no absolutely i'm aware and uh it's just the delivery of the line is like spot on and yeah. i she just always gets it and she's actually so funny i feel like she tends to do more dramatic roles and she's so good in those too oh man you know what we didn't talk about girl on a train oh yeah she's right. so good in Another that very interesting yeah she's so in filmography I mean, she I know, just, right? So she, she surprises. Like, I don't know how she surprised me. Like, she shouldn't surprise me anymore. Whenever, like, she just gets into a role and absolutely dominates it. But like, every time I see, like you said, every time I see her comedy, I'm like, she's hilarious. Like, she's so good. Like a comedic oh my actor. Gosh, like, yes. Do more comedies, and then you watch her in a quiet place, and you're like, she's an incredible dramatic actress. And then like you watch her yeah. into the woods, and you're like, oh, she, she should can just sing too. Like, of course she can. Like she's fantastic. Into the woods. We forgot about into the woods. Yes. Oh my gosh. She's like she's so good in so many things, and I, so I think the only natural conclusion is that she should just be in all the movies. Which and is, I don't see why that's a problem. That's Meryl I Street, think she should right? just be that's, in all the movies. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> she really does. She really, really does. And she chose to. Well, it's funny. They've been in two movies together. So, yeah. you know, she's already she's well on her way to being the Meryl yeah. Streep of our generation. Yeah. You can tell in like press junkets and interviews and stuff like she's just really naturally funny, mm-hmm. um, which is so funny. I love watching her and John Krasinski and stuff together because they both John. are just naturally hilarious. Yeah. Like so, so funny. Yep. And I'm like, man, I wonder what it's like in that household. I'm sure it's just a riot all the time. Yeah, really but yeah. uh, which actually is funny because I watched this for the third time with my parents and uh 
they mom goes oh my gosh she would make such a good jane and tarzan and i was like oh my gosh she would she totally would so but she's she really is she's just so impressive she elevates every movie that she's in and i just i'm just a big emily blunt fan i'm a fan of i'm in the fan club you know what that just like you talking about jane and me singing you know jones I could 100% <gasps> see her playing Indiana Jones if Harris, like once Harrison Ford. Oh my is gosh! Done. If he ever passes the torch, he's yeah. Still if he doing ever it. says like, "Hey, I'm gonna let somebody else play Indiana Jones," like, tell me she wouldn't absolutely crush that. Oh my gosh, she would be amazing. All right, Twitter, all the all the movie lords that are out there, <laughs> yeah. we're speaking it into the universe. Make Emily Blunt all the fan castings. Yes, let's do it. Let's get this campaign started. I'm all about it. I that but we do need amazing. like at least two or one or two more Jungle Cruise movies, which they did kind of set it up for yeah. a sequel, which I'm game about. And apparently, uh, The Rock tweeted out that they were having sequel meetings today. So mm-hmm. hopefully, we'll get some news out soon about that be uh, because they definitely set it up for a sequel, hopefully a trilogy. Yeah. I don't like when like Pirates has gone too far. They've done too many. Definitely. It's like done okay. Should have should have stopped at the third one. That was enough. I don't know why we kept going. You you had a good thing going and now it's just we're just we've ruined it. Yeah. Um I will say for this one while we're on the subject of actors and actresses, you talked about Jesse Plemons. He's so great in this uh, movie. He is also one who always understands the assignment. Uh, he goes full bore 110%, but Catherine texted me. So Matt and Catherine watch this. Catherine's my sister. She's another Ross cousin. And she goes, "Oh my gosh, like I just remember Jesse Plemons as the bully kid in Like Mike." And I'm like, what and she was obsessed with that movie growing up but yeah. i literally did not remember that he was in that movie until she, she said that. that like i mean how old must he have been and that, I mean, that would have been like 20 i mean like a kid yeah like he would have been very young when, like, i think like mike came out in 2003 and and like you know like I, she like pulled that memory like deep out of my brain but like before before if you he said if that you, i had no idea it was jesse Plemons. but once she once you said it yeah. i was like oh my gosh what Oh, yeah. If you knew how many times Catherine watched that movie, we had the soundtrack. We had everything. She was obsessed with Like Mike, Lil Bow Wow, way back in the day. Jesse Plemons is so good in Game Night. That's the one movie that I'm like, oh, Jesse Plemons, you are so... I mean, he's so funny in that movie. If you've not seen Game Night, you need to watch Please it. It's watch so funny. His character, his like his yes. like side character. You know, he's not really like one of the main characters in that, but like his like side no, character. No, he's the neighbor, yeah. Is one of the funniest characters I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, it kills me to this day. It makes me laugh every time I think about the Frito-Lay, <laughs> the Frito-Lay scene. <laughs> it's just like the delivery is three, so funny. It's so monotone. Yeah, it's but, so chill and monotone, but, yes, but it's so funny. That is my, my, my good boy, Jesse Plemons. I love him dearly. and Jesse Plemons, I, that's so funny. I loved him in this movie. Like, he, was, he was great. I mean, he, he you know, he went for it like you said he commits to the role he's he's nick cage levels of like committing to whatever is going on he really really is and i just he really is i eat up every second of it he has this whole scene opposite just a bee one bee <laughs> like a bumblebee and he's talking to it i know me talking about the scene you're gonna see let's say what you gave it an 88 and trust me it's good it's earned but I, I'm like the whole time I was thinking like he's in a room literally by himself, not by himself, the crew's in there, but I'm like, he is acting opposite nothing. There is nothing there. 
And even Jim? if it was a real bee, it doesn't matter. It's still it's, nothing. Yeah. And and he just does the whole scene. And, and I don't know how I would laugh. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way I wouldn't just like die laughing. And I'm sure he did it in like one take. Like Probably. he was like, all right, it's not yeah, this he's out. Like, yeah, fucking the invisible bee, no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just feel like he's he feels like the guy that's just like he gets that it's funny, but he doesn't he himself laugh at it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But then and then also The Rock, I got to say, I was very surprised. Not that I mean, I love The Rock. I actually really loved him in the Jumanji movies. Mm-hmm. I thought he did such a good job. He's not going to win any Oscars anytime soon. But I was really, really impressed with him in this movie because he's not the guy that you think of that's like, oh, we need somebody who's going to deliver dad jokes. And you're like, oh, I know the guy, The Rock. And yeah. you're like, what? Like, I, <laughs> like, that, that's I don't, an that's interesting... not who you cast in that role. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's not dad joke kind of like schlocky, you know, whatever. And I got to say, like, no, he's not nerdy. Like, he's no. not nerdy. I feel like that was actually a cool part of it uh, that I did enjoy is that, like, they cast The Rock as, like, somebody different than, like, he normally... He wasn't, like, the smoldering, like, jacked-up, like, action star. Yeah. Or just kind of... Like, he's played comedic roles before, for sure. Yeah. But, like, this one was just... Kind of, it was kind of in a different manner. Um, yeah. And he was, like, a little more... Like, he was charming and everything. And very, like, yeah. kind of, like, witty. But he was also, like, dorky. He was nerdy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And... I don't know. It just worked. Like it just worked for me. It was cool to like see him kind of do something different. And yeah, for sure. I just, I really, I really enjoyed him in this. Uh, like you said, like, you know, he's not, he's not going to win best actor for his role in jungle, jungle cruise. But like, I think he pro- gets progressively better, like with every role that I see him in ever since <laughs> he started like really acting, like he starts to deliver on that more and more. Like it's, it's yeah. that like people are like, Oh, the rock, like I'm excited for that. You yeah. Know? Well, and I think it's interesting too. Like he did so many interviews before this movie where he, and he's an executive producer on it. Uh, but he specifically went after Emily Blunt because he said he was like, she's great in everything. And I wanted to work opposite her. Like he desperately wanted to be, you know, and awesome. I think he's, I think he's, like to your point, like I think he's studying, he's still studying the craft, right? And he wants to work with the best of the best. Yeah. And who doesn't want to work with the next Meryl Streep? You know what I mean? So he exactly. he pulls in Emily Blunt and I really think he learns. Like I, I agree. I do think he gets better with every movie, but I actually thought he did so good with the comedy, obviously, but there were some like more genuine heart to heart serious moments. And I have to say, like, I believed him. Like I believed yeah. the character and I think like to your point, like he's just like that big macho. Like he's just huge. Like the rock is just huge. He's just a big guy. And he's massive like that and like doing different things, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and to believe him as like, not that like your size has anything to do with like your sincerity, but I feel like he does get cast in these real like bravado macho um, roles. And and he's not, not that in this movie, but he's so much more than that. And Mm -hmm. I love that the, the script and the character allowed, him to kind of explore more of his like sensitive side and uh those kind of things and i thought he really handled those scenes um super well and that was actually something that i really enjoyed about this movie yeah and honestly like that's the heart of the movie and i think that that's like the wit the comedy the chemistry between the two of them is what makes the movie like so enjoyable and so fun to watch and you're just like I would, I literally like, I'm like, I would watch them sit in a room and talk. Like I would watch that. I'd pay to go see that because they play off of each other so well. And 
they really did capitalize on that super well in the marketing. I loved. For sure. Did you see that series of trailers and like posters that they did? Like they played off of the competitiveness. So they they released like two separate trailers where it was like focusing on their character and it would be like starring Emily Blunt, like huge. And then it'd be like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, like really tiny. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then they good. did like posters where yeah where they got like the mike wazowski treatment where it would be like emily blunt like really big on the poster and then like the rock was like hidden behind something um and like disney did brilliant with the marketing for this movie because they really really tapped into the thing that made the movie so great which is their chemistry but i have to say that like what really separated it was um just the heart that the movie had like there were some heavier elements to the script that didn't weigh it down. It didn't make it feel heavy, but Hmm. it really gave purpose to the story and to the characters. And I think really, really nailed that punch kind of at the end where you like really cared about the characters and they kind of asked them like bigger questions, not like so much so where you're like leaving the theater, like questioning life. But I think the, the bigger theme of like, what is living, (laughs) you know, what is that? What does that look like? Like, uh, when are you truly living life? You know, that kind of that kind of thought process without giving too much away um, and spoiling it. But I thought having like the just that little extra layer of like emotional intent and like purpose and thought behind the movie really elevated it for me where I was like, oh, it's not just this adventure. It's not just this quest to find this one thing. There's a lot more to it than that. And with that, actually a twist, which I won't spoil, but I was not anticipating. It's a good twist. You know, you just kind of like you go to a movie like this, you go beat for beat and you're kind of like, okay, so then this is going to happen. And then, you know, something's going to happen here and then they're going to do this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like surprisingly great how much they're able to surprise you in the movie. Yeah, honestly, yeah, that was one of like my main takeaways was like how much I just got enjoyment out of like when they revealed the twist, where I was just like, "Whoa!" Like I did not, I I didn't see that coming. Like, and you don't, you know, especially I didn't either. I was like, "What?" (laughs) Big kind of popcorn blockbuster movies, like you know, some of it's like telegraphed a lot of the time, and it's not you know too complicated or whatever. And I don't know, like that was just a really enjoyable part for me, where I was like, "Oh, that's very clever." Like I like that a lot. Like I like the direction that they took it in. Yeah. And and like you said, like I think I think that he like the the director. Who is the director? Why can't I? Dude, I don't. I forget his name, but he's directing Black Adam. Did you know that? Oh, it's the same guy that's doing Black Adam. Okay. Yes. I did not know that. That's awesome. Yep. That's really that's same guy for me. That makes me very excited. Yeah. Um, but I think he like weaved in like you talked about like like a little bit like the heavier stuff um, to kind of balance it out. Like I think he weaved it in really like naturally, um, and I think that's what made it work really well. Like it didn't seem like they were going for like a forced, a dramatic, or like heartfelt payoff. Like it no, was just, it felt like it natural. Was just a really yeah. Balance. Jack Whitehall plays. Uh, Emily Blunt's brother in the movie and he's great too um we had talked off I didn't know he was a stand-up comedian I've only seen him in one other movie and it was Mother's (laughs) Day and it's an awful movie don't ever watch it I don't know how they talked literally listen to this cast Julia Roberts Jennifer Aniston Kate Hudson and it is awful it's like Jennifer Garner is in it like I don't know I think Gary 
I think Gary Marshall has dirt, had dirt on Julia Roberts. I don't know. I don't know how he talked her into this, but he's in that movie. And I just recently watched it. I don't know why. And uh, he is in that movie. So that's the only thing I knew him from. But you had told me that he's actually a stand up comedian, which Mm -hmm. I had no idea. And uh, but he's super funny in this movie. He really holds his own. Like you got The Rock and Emily Blunt. Yeah, I think like I highly recommend it if you if you just like movies. It's just such a it, it is a fun adventure. It's just fun. Yeah. Like there's there's nothing like you're not going to leave the theater disappointed. Like that's for sure. Um, and it definitely is a theater movie. So, yes, of course, you can pay for it on Disney Plus Premier Access. Um, and have I done that? Yes. But did I see it in the theater first? Absolutely. And we both saw it in Dolby. Yes. Which we both highly recommend. And um, but it is a big screen movie. Very much feels like a, a return to the theater uh, type of blockbuster. And mm-hmm. so definitely would recommend going to see it. I don't think there's anyone that I wouldn't recommend this movie to. Like, it's just it's accessible to everyone. Like, it's yeah. it's just a general like you're going like you're going to enjoy it. Like, it's just fun. It's yeah, it, it's just easy. There's no like barrier to entry of like, oh, you got to lock in and like, you really got to think about this one or like, or you have to be like a 10 year old kid to enjoy yeah. this. Like, no, it's, it's for everyone. Like, it's definitely like a very much a family yes. adventure movie and it's worth it. All right. I'm going to, we're going to leave this podcast with four words. My favorite four words in the entire movie. Lagrimas de Cristal. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally... I, I, nothing has ever sounded fancier coming out of Emily Blunt's mouth than the the oh, region goodness. on the map where they are headed. Lagrimas de Cristal. And like, how many characters say it? But I, I was like, and I have to have a British accent now. I have to. Like, there, there are no options. Yeah, I just need to acquire one. Yeah, I think. I practiced well, my kind of so I'm hoping one day I sound like Emily Blunt. <laughs> Just I pitched and everything. Um, I yeah. I think I'm gonna try the whole like I fell and hit my head and now I speak in a British accent trick. I think I'm gonna try it. But really, I'm just that's what I want to say. Lagrimas de cristal. That's just what I want to say all the time. And everybody says it in the movie, and they all sound luxurious saying it. Some of them don't even have a British accent, and they still sound amazing saying it. You're just like, yes, yeah. I want to go to that place. Yeah, absolutely. It's in the middle of the Amazon. It's surrounded by awful things, but I want to go there. <laughs> but we're gonna end this episode uh, with a little trip down the Amazon. And we'll leave you with some of the soundtrack that we said was awful, which isn't. It's actually very beautiful. We're going to leave you with a little, a little bit of James Newton Howard to take you out on the Jungle Cruise. 